Welcome to the Tribe of Change podcast. I am your host for this evening, but the real people that will be bringing you the information are Alvin and Daniel, part of the tribe. Uh, welcome. Uh, tonight's episode is going to be discussing, is America the new Roman Empire? So let's bring it up. Hey, Alvin. Hey, Daniel. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm doing uh, doing all right. A little under the weather, so I'm going to let you guys take the reins here a little bit, and uh, I'll interject and see where it goes. But uh, it's over to you guys. Is America the new Rome? Okay. Daniel, let me just give a little background, because earlier today we were texting, and just out of, you know what I'm saying, curiosity, I texted him uh, a few questions regarding his past, you know, his Past and present, uh, because for the ones that don't know in this tribe, uh, he's a fighter, he's a mixed martial artist, and uh, I have really haven't come across anybody like Daniel before that's willing to uh, show that transparency and really give those answers that many shy away from. So if you want to dive in a little bit, Daniel, it's up to you. I have my questions ready to go. But if you want to introduce yourself and give your background, go ahead, my boy. Yeah, um, my name is actually Misha. You know, Daniel LaRusso is the Karate Kid. It's a nickname, alias. Um, that's all I got to say about that. The conversation um, is America's the New Rome. It came from when Alvin asked me a question about fighting, if I wanted to fight anymore or if I feel you know, is there any relevance in fighting? Um, does it have any type of impact? And mostly, and I've said this for years, that uh, fighting, you know, it's sort of how people view football and other sports. It's uh, it's entertainment for the masses to keep them occupied, you know, especially fighting. If you've ever been to any fights, if you actually know fighting, if you have a fight uh IQ and you know what's going on most of the time you'll be uh, pretty bothered by the people around you that are just like wasted drunk and they just want to see blood Uh, it's a bunch of ignorance in my opinion so it's basically like Rome in the Colosseum the gladiators and the people are just being uh, entertained by the fighter sacrifice Fighters, blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, that's pretty, you know, that's where that came from. So back to you, Alvin. All right, so did you have anything, Steve? Um, no, I'm, I'm more interested in uh, where you guys are going. And then uh, I, I see um, I see the the conversation. I see... Um, they've been talking about Rome as far as uh, over the years, they've talked about boxing. They've talked about um, football being the new gladiators. They've talked about MMA. So I'm interested to see where you guys want to go with this. So, All right. So the first question I had for you, Daniel, was I said, without having that outlet during the time in which you were transitioning or even beginning, I should say, uh, your career, uh, would you would you have been able to f- reframe or redirect 
that energy into something else? Um, or did the thought never cross your mind at all? Was fighting the all or be all for you? Okay, that's a, that's a good question. And you're going to get me to go a little deep there, get personal. Go ahead, bro. Because the way that I became a fighter wasn't necessarily by choice. Uh, it's not something that I necessarily wanted to be. Uh, had my environment been different, I might have not chosen to be a fighter. It might not have even been an idea in my mind. But the truth is, you know, my environment was violent as a child. I grew up, you know, first thing I was adopted. Uh, so I guess my dad, my real dad was a bit of a criminal. My mom too. They were on some Bonnie and Clyde type stuff. Um, so I was adopted and I was adopted by abusive alcoholics. So, and there was nine of us that were adopted into this, uh, family. No, they, the, my adopted parents didn't have any birth children. They couldn't have children. And I don't know why they thought it was a good idea to adopt nine kids. They didn't do it all at once. They got a couple, you know, one here, two there, and then started going. Um, so, you know, th this is a little bit of a touchy subject, but I'm, you know, I'm comfortable enough to go there. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a rough childhood. Uh, my dad boxed and he did judo and he liked to beat the shit out of us. And we all liked to beat the shit out of each other. And we all liked to not necessarily liked, but it was a thing that we did uh, because it was a part of the environment that we came up in. And we got in, you know, I got in fights in school. Uh, we got in group fights at different places, you know, our family, you know, us kids versus other kids. And, so it was a violent childhood and uh when you grow up and you are having somebody assert dominance over you it's going to make you want to be in a position that nobody can nobody else will do that to you in your life so that's pretty much uh in the beginning was what my my drive was to be a fighter is that nobody's going to dominate me no one's going to assert their self on me so that's to answer that question. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily had a choice in the matter. And, you know, going forward, uh, you know, life was hard. I made bad decisions as far as not going, you know, not staying in school and running the streets, which, you know, I can justify and say, oh, I, you know, whatever. But I made the wrong decisions. And so... It was something like keep selling drugs or find a new hustle and start fighting. So I have a question. Uh, you had mentioned that uh, your parents were like Bonnie and Clyde. Um, and you said that, you know, there was fighting between you and your. Uh, well, that was my, my birth parents. That's what birth I parents. know of them. Yeah. So just that they were criminals or that they. They, they were definitely just criminals. were bad people. All right. They were definitely probably both. All right. Definitely criminals. I don't know. You know, I've had, uh, I've seen some paperwork from the adoption agency. Uh, and I've heard some things. I'm not exactly sure 100% uh, of the details, but, you know, they were definitely criminals and probably bad people. 
All right. And then you said that you fought with your dad and uh, siblings. Was that, did it start off as like play fighting or was it actual like abuse? No, it was, it was abuse. It was never play fighting. All right. So you come from a violent background and then of course you perpetuate that by not wanting to be dominated. Um, Where was the transition that got you to uh, professional fighting or more professional fighting? Um, One of the things that I do give my parents credit for, I don't necessarily give them credit for making me a fighter because of the environment. I mean, but kind of, I do give them credit for that, but I give them credit for putting me in martial arts. So I started doing martial arts when I was around 12, 13, and uh, so that's I, I was really good. I was naturally gifted. Um, I advanced quickly. I was, you know, especially in sparring, and uh, you know, I could. I had I had it in me, uh, whatever, you know, a real fighter, I guess. Uh, so I had it in me. I was really good when sparring came around. I was, you know, basically the best. Were at. Every at almost every gym I've gone to, I've been one of the best guys there. So I was advancing quickly. I was uh, beating up much more experienced, higher ranked, older men. You know, I'm a teenager. I'm beating up grown men. Uh, so I started competing. You know, they're like, you're really aggressive. You need to join the kickboxing team. I started kickboxing as a juvenile. Uh, traveling, you know, a good bit. Uh, it wasn't. There wasn't kickboxing in Maryland at the time for amateur kickboxing. So we was traveling all around Virginia, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, you know, all, all around the bordering states. Uh, from there, the natural transition was just to keep going. But, uh, I, you know, I got a little bit older. I was running away from home, got involved, you know, running the streets. Um, so I took some time away to, you know, be a piece of shit drug dealer or whatever. You know, I, I felt that I didn't have another choice. I felt that was, you know, because no one else was going to support me. I didn't have a safety net of anything. Most people have their parents that they can fall back on. They have these safety nets. Uh, for me, I was living on the streets. I was either living on the streets, running the streets, or in juvenile, you know, placements, you know, group homes, detention centers, foster homes. So in my mind, as a as a juvenile, I felt that was my only option. You know, I, I most of the time, I didn't know where I was going to sleep. So if I'm going to get a job, I don't even know where I'm going to sleep that night. How am I going to get to, you know what I mean? I didn't have any type of stability in my life. Uh, if we're fast forwarding it to jump over all that, all those juicy details, I got back into fighting as an adult. And then I just kept going from there. What was it that got you back into fighting as an adult? Um, it was... So I, I was, I've been diagnosed with complex uh, PTSD, you know, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And uh, it's actually, you know, I didn't notice at the time, but that's something that actually will quell your, 
you know what I mean? Your PTSD, it'll, it gives you, uh, you know, it calms you, it, uh, whatever it was. So that, what got me back into it is that it was always a passion of mine. And I was good at fighting. So they are you saying that uh, the fighting calmed your PTSD? Yeah, it's actually, uh, it's, they've done studies on it and stuff that they have different programs in, uh, across the U.S. with, where different MMA gyms allow people with PTSD to train there and yeah, it helps. Huh, that it seems like it would be a trigger uh for some um uh, you know, back maybe, to, to not so I, good I, things. I guess it depends on the context of uh I mean it, it gives you control over the matter. You know, it's if you just go in there and somebody starts hitting on you, you don't know how to defend yourself, then yeah, that's gonna trigger something. But if you're going in there and you're learning how to take, you know, how to defend yourself, how to be empowered. So if somebody does, you know, uh, try to assault you or something, you have the ability to defend yourself. So when, when you were in the, the, the uh, octagon or whatever they call it, um, I'm not a huge sports person, so probably not the best to ask this, but did you feel like you were, you were in control in the ring or did you feel like you were a pawn in a bigger puzzle? Um, both, honestly, a pawn in a bigger puzzle, just because the, the fight game is a dirty game. You got promoters, you got managers and, you know, most of them don't really have your best interest in mind. Uh, when I came out, I came out pretty much as an independent because I, up in this local scene and I wasn't fighting locally so I didn't know all the refs all the you know all the officials and everything so I came out as independent and I was a pawn I did get used in some ways and I got robbed in some fights where they didn't go my way I got some bad uh decisions um and just little little tricks that they use you know what I mean if you're going into a motors fighter they're going to do the little things to try to throw you off and try to give you some extra stress to deal with. Basically to throw you off for the fight. Hmm. And is that because they, do you think that they were putting money against you? Or are they just it trying is, to get you railed up? The way it goes. Uh, it, so a fighter could be signed to the promotion. So if you're fighting a promoted fighter, then they're, they have a, a contract with that fighter and they want to build that fighter's career. And that fighter probably sells tickets. So it's, it's, it's in their, you know, in their financial best interest to uh, move the career along of the fighter that they are backing. Hmm. All right, album. What kind of uh, what kind of questions did you have, or where did where did you see this this going? The next point actually kind of gives you a better idea of where I want to take it to. And uh, are athletes buying into the hype of fighting desperately, seeking notoriety? Um, 
could you rephrase? I think I understand what you're saying, but maybe if you can clarify and elaborate a little bit. So take your, your athlete, right? And for whatever reason, he's gifted in this and that field. And his coach tells him, hey, man, I think you should try MMA out just to see how you do. Um, and as you know, people are out to seek that notoriety. They want to chase the fame. They want to chase this and that. So really, do you think that they're buying into it more and more for that sole reason? Or do you really think that they're true mixed martial artists, you know, trying to embody that lifestyle and really test themselves? Or do you think it's just all bullshit? I think, um, for one, there's definitely, I was, when I, when I came up, I was still, uh, you came out of the traditional martial arts where you still had the different, uh, you, you can tell somebody that came up in the traditional martial arts and someone that just came up training out of mixed martial arts gyms. Um, so they don't have the traditional aspects of respect and discipline and uh, you can definitely tell but I feel there's a lot of athletes that get into fighting and they're not really fighters, they're athletes and eventually down the road they it gets proven that they are not real fighters they're athletes, they get punched in the face too hard and they want to quit um, they have the, the physical prow prowess the physical abilities but they don't have that hard nose you know, grind to them where uh, that they're not going to give up, that they're just going to keep fighting, they're not going to mentally break. Because um, if you see, if there's a way to differentiate, you know, an athlete versus a fighter, it's their mental fortitude. So somebody that's an athlete has never been mentally tested and ne never uh, been met with... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it doesn't matter. You get my point. Gotcha. gotcha. So yeah, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of fighters that are fanboys. They're just in it to be popular and to be cool. And I personally think most of them are fucking faggots. But <laughs> no, no offense to homosexuals. No man, I get you. I get you. We're there, but of course you got to clear the air. Uh, let's see. Ah, does fighting lead to anything productive for society as a whole? Or is this a selfish sport that caters to bloodthirsty fans? And solely that. Yeah, man, it, as, um, the fighting in the, in, as a sport, you know, I don't, I mean, let's bounce it off of each other. Do you see any uh, positive what it does for society as a whole. I mean, what's it doing for society, really? It's it's entertainment. It's numbing. Yeah. It's keeping people's attention from... There's all kinds of shit wrong with society that we could be actually focusing our attention on, but people don't want to do that. They want to be entertained, and they want to watch other people get their heads bashed in. Uh, so is there the, possibly... You know, I can't think of anything off the top of my head... Honestly, when I think of it, I, I, I don't I don't see anything from it. I mean, I love the sport. I, I do. I love what it represents. Uh, 
But again, if I have to be honest with myself, you know, it's kind of a touchy subject for the fighters that have put their lives on the line and devoted, you know, their livelihood to this, you know, for me to just show up and be like, yeah, you just, this is bullshit. You know what I mean? You've done all this for what? Like what, 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 what can you say you've done or taken away from this besides giving yourself a better life or your family? Because um, me and Adam touched on this before. And I feel like as men, we tend to narrate our lives as being a sacrifice, um, you know, to sound like we're modern day gladiators. We've sacrificed to, you know, put food on our tables or be away from our families, you know, and I, I feel like it's all in the, in the way you tell your story, you know, to make it out seem as though, oh, I've sacrificed this and I've sacrificed that, if if that makes any sense at all. Um, but yeah, but well, you're choosing to make your sacrifices for mostly for the the fame, the thought of fame, the thought of notoriety, mm-hmm. and the the monetary gain. Yeah. So there's fighters. There's some, you know, and don't get me wrong, because there's a lot of fighters that wouldn't have a lot of other options, you know, because of the circumstances of their life. That fighting was one of the best ways for them to go. Like I could have kept selling drugs, and I could have ended up dead. You know, people. You know, I've had I know people that that died, that got killed, that went to prison. You know. So I could have kept doing that or I, I chose to choose another hustle that I was good at and that was fighting. Um, and there's other people like that, I'm sure, with the same types of circumstances and situations in their life where they might, you know, where they, can they fight and make a better living and have better quality of life than working at McDonald's? Yeah, you know what I mean? But also at the same time, there's other fighters that choose to do good positive things, even though what they do with the fighting isn't really changing anything in our society for the better. They personally make the choice to make uh, society better in different ways. You know, like I had that post on my Facebook page with that guy, Justin Wren, you know, who quit fighting and is over in Africa fighting, uh, everything over there, helping build cities, build, uh, wells and all kinds of good stuff like that's some real shit you know and he obviously came to that conclusion that you know he wanted to do something better for society because what was he really doing he was entertaining the masses that don't give a fuck about society about bettering society about people that have you know i mean that are in the same position that are you know as in this guy's case, the starving kids over in Africa and different scenarios like that. Isn't it um, easy to, I mean, it's easy to, t- to take this back to what it really is, uh, especially if we're going to compare America to the new Rome is all of, all of this is it's entertainment but it's also just a distraction if that's what we're exactly. creating exactly. it. The, the gladiators weren't put there because somebody was making money. The gladiators were put there because they wanted to keep the people's minds off of the fact that they were starving and that they were poor and that the emperors were taking everything from them. So it was just a distraction like, oh, hey, go go watch the, uh, you know, the gladiators and the lions eating the the, the poor people and 
at least you're not them. You know, this this is entertainment. It's just uh, look over here while we go and do uh, net neutrality uh, and while we uh, piss off the North Koreans and, you know, why we sign all these laws into effect that is going to screw you over and make everybody else wealthy. So watch this. We're going to keep doing what we do. And as long as you're entertained, it doesn't matter. So it's, it's easy to say um, that it doesn't add anything to society, but at some points it does because uh, I see it as uh, inspiration. Um, does, does fighting, does MMA, does boxing, does any of it lead to anything positive? Uh, you could argue that, you know, there's kids out there who are getting picked on and bullied and they watch these, these shows and think, you know, I can, I can change the way things are. I can, I can defend myself. I can be a better person. Um, especially when they hear stories like, uh, yours, um, to where, uh, I was in a, an abusive, uh, family life and I did end up choosing the wrong path and slinging drugs, but I got myself out of it and fighting was part of that. Now it doesn't mean it'll be part of it for somebody else, but it doesn't mean, um, that somebody can't take that story and go, if this person can do it, then I can do it. Whether it's with fighting or something else. Now you're right. Is um, fighting being, you know, like a metaphor of life, you know, you can take fighters and fighter stories and fighting and use it as like a metaphor, like, you know, life's a fight and you have to, you know, there's all kinds of mantras that go with fighting that can help somebody, you know, that's experiencing struggles in their life to, to get through them. So sure. It, there, you know, it, there are positive things to it. I'm not saying, uh, I think we were more directing it at the, the fighting, the establishment of it. Yeah, no, hold, um, what I wanted to say was earlier with people, what you said, Steve, that's kind of right on the nose. Uh, it hits home for numerous reasons, but as far as, um, you know, feeling helpless and then the takeaway from that, the, the, the benefit of it, um, and, and what it does for society as a whole is instill that confidence into that kid that didn't have it, that was being bullied. Um, so, Again, I, I, I'm on that side. I don't think that I'm not on the side where I'm bashing fighters saying, what are you doing with your life? Um, if anything, I have a handful of fighters um, that I'm close to, and um, I admire what they do because there comes a point in time in which you not only ask yourself, but you think on their behalf, when is enough enough in the sense that you know, how many blows can you take to your head? No matter what the sacrifice may be, um, I would like to think it's more so, you know, like the boxing mentality, you get hit and not get hit. And also, you know, get in and get out of the game to where you can still function on a day-to-day basis and you can either see your kids grow and grandkids grow. Um, and the question that kind of haunts me is, do the, do the fighters ask their so, themselves that question? Is, is it worth it in the end? You know, and are they afraid of what's to come or are they, you know, I feel like it's half and half. Some have the mentality of fuck it, whatever, 
you know, comes in the future is, you know, what I asked for or what I knew was coming. And then the other half is just like, fuck, you know, I did what I had to do for my family and I know what's to come in the future. What do you think, Dan? I'll, t- I'll tell you, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. My skill set is pretty good. Um, you know, I, don't, I didn't have the greatest record. I, I came in late. I, I went pro late. I had difficulties cutting weight, you know, but in the gym, in local gyms, fighters know who I am. And I'm, I got respect in local gyms. Uh, and maybe some might say maybe I was a gym fighter. Uh, I never got to um, show my true talent. My, you know, I didn't compete at the best of my ability a lot, a lot of the times. Uh, and I, but I think part of that is from my childhood. I was malnourished and I was fucked up. So I didn't having cutting weight was an issue. You know, whatever the excuse is, I don't really care. You know, I, I think I'm a better fighter than most. Um, but I see these local fighters and they're never going to, the majority of them are never going to get off the local stage. And a lot of them I know, you know, they're, they're using substances to get by. They are fucking their bodies up. They're having surgeries. They're blowing their knees. You know what I mean? So their health is definitely being sacrificed and they're going to be very, uh, they're going to be in pain when they get older. They're going to be, you know, in bad health. So, you know, what, what, what's the worth of that? You know, there, there's one, there's only one fighter I, that I see that in, in my mind, and there might be some other guys that I'm not even familiar with because I'm a fanboy and I don't follow it that much. But uh, there's, you know, one guy, Rob, he's he's really good. He'll probably make it to the next level. He'll probably make it to the UFC. The majority of the rest of them are never going to get outside the local uh, the local circuit. But good, you know I mean? If that's what they want to do, cool. But don't sacrifice your health for it. That's my opinion. So I, I've seen plenty of them get all fucked up and their health is, you know, is no good. So you mentioned earlier that uh, had you, you probably wouldn't have gone into fighting had you had another option. What uh, what do you think you would have gone into? Um, so you know, if I was born with a silver spoon up my ass and I had the the right opportunities, uh, I mean, I don't know what my what my state of mind would be, but if I was going to base, hopefully you would be asking for a proctologist. Yeah, hopefully. But, uh, if I'm basing it off of, you know, my, myself, how I, the person I am today, uh, you know, I, I have interest in psychology, have interest in health, you know, uh, so, those are two things I could go, you know, I could have been a lawyer. I'm good at arguing things. I mean, there's, I, I personally feel that I could probably have done many one, you know, just about anything I wanted to outside of maybe being like a nuclear physicist or something. Well, based on where you are now, what do you want to pursue? Do you want to get into health and uh, psychology? Yeah, what, that, that is what I'm pursuing right now. I'm pursuing a, you know, Alvin is a functional patterns practitioner. I'm about to be certified. I've been studying. I did the 10 week course. I've been working with Alvin and another guy, Jeff Harris. Uh, shout out to Jeff Harris. He's the man. 
Um, and then February, I'm going to get my level one cert. Uh, psychology, I mean, you know, maybe one day I could get uh, a basic degree in that or something. I, I feel like I understand human behavior pretty well. And that's just from experience and dealing with a lot of people, uh, dealing with my family and then dealing with, you know, street people, street life. Um, so, yeah, I would like, I've always actually wanted to like work in like a juvenile facility to help kids that were, you know what I mean, that I can relate to and they'd be able to relate to me that, because I've actually mentored some kids and I've had good success with that. So, yeah. That's yeah. good. And I feel like that kind of answers part of what uh, Alvin's question was, is does anything good come from, come out of fighting? And yeah. in that case, I think it does. Um, you want to give back. You know, you've, you've been through the things that you've been through and you want to give back to the kids who might be going through something similar. So I think it all depends on the people. Some people care for themselves and some people care about everybody else. And uh, I think you can argue, does anything come good out of any job or any sport or any form of entertainment for that matter? Does anything good come from TV? Does anything good come from movies other than uh, slight distraction from the troubles of today? What I was going to for me, Alvin. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, any advice for upcoming fighters or even your average Joe who wants to give it a go? Um, yeah, I, I've given unsolicited advice to people and they, you know, they might not want to listen, but I'm actually, uh, kind of working. So like, I, I'm going to be working with this guy, uh, this up and coming fighter. I'm just going, because he's shown me some good, you know, he's shown me, uh, he's a good guy. And, uh, so I'm going to be given whatever type of knowledge I got. And, and you see my striking, like, you know, all these striking coaches out here, all these strikers, I'm pretty much without speaking too highly of myself and, uh, they're not, most of them aren't on my level. I, I feel like I'm better than probably 90% of them. So I'll be working with him, you know, adding my biomechanics knowledge to my striking knowledge uh, and my health knowledge. Like I've already been telling him, uh, working with him a little bit. So, but besides that, what I would tell a fighter if he was a younger guy, you know, and a lot of coaches, they just want to throw fighters to the wolves. They just want to get them in competition and get their brains uh, smashed in early. Like, there's no need for that if they're younger. They don't have, you know, take your time. You don't even have to spar. Just work technical for a long time and get your biomechanics really well. Make sure your health is really well. Your, your physiology is really good. And, um, and take your time, basically, is what I would tell them. Because there's a lot of guys, there's a lot of fighters that once they get hit, they realize they're not really fighters. So make sure you're really a fighter first. And if that's what you want to pursue, take your time. There's no rush if you're a younger guy. If you're a guy like me who grew up fighting, I already knew I could fight. But then I did all the other stuff and I didn't actually turn pro until I was 29. So I didn't really have the time to take. So if you're a younger guy, 
take your time. Don't rush. Don't don't feel pressed to compete. Uh, work on your technical, you know, the, the techniques. The and do it. Treat your body good. Don't do the hope the bullshit balls to wall training. That's fucking you up. You know, take it so. Keep good care of your body. You know. And yeah, because there obviously. is. There is something to be said about uh, being able to throw a punch, um, but then on the other aspect of being able to get punched. Like, I could train all my life, but uh, I don't like getting punched in the face. So, not going to be a fighter. That's one thing that's important to understand about yourself. For sure. Hell yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, Daniel, as far as everything you've employed up to now, Everything as far as from FP to Jack Cruz to my boy Adam, how is it all tied in for you? Like, what have you seen in the time that you've implemented? If you can include the time frame so we know the turnaround time in which you've been able to not only implement but actually see results from it. Okay, so, you know, I followed Naughty for like two years. And at first, you know, I followed Functional Patterns and on the personal uh, Instagram page. And I started looking at it. I think I found it on uh, YouTube. I, and right away, I could tell. You know, I'm a mover. I, before delving into Functional Patterns, I understood biomechanics just from being a martial artist. You know, before I did mar- mixed martial arts, well, I started out, you know, in martial arts. I was kickboxing. Then I started doing boxing. I boxed. First, I've, I've boxed professionally first. Then I jumped into mixed martial arts. More of a, hey, I just want to, you know, I want to do it. Um, so I already understood biomechanics. I just didn't know exactly what I understood. Uh, or what, it, you know what I mean? That I used to call it body mechanics. Because when I would train people, I would say body mechanics. Same difference, I guess, you know. Uh, so I understood a lot of it intuitively and conceptually, but then, so when I, when I first came across Nani and watching him run around, move, do his movements, I've already recognized that it was legit because you can tell when somebody can really move. There's a lot of these guys out here and they're trying to move and that's bullshit. They're not really moving like real connected movers, real integrated movers. Um, so but I actually owned my own gym at the time. Uh, I got fucked over by some piece of shit. Uh, dirty cop. That was my partner. Uh, did bankruptcy fraud. Uh, so fuck him. If anybody's listening that knows him or people are, you know, fuck you. Uh, so <laughs> um, anyways, so I was doing my own thing. I was, so I didn't delve into it. Uh, I started, I, I had a fight. And I, I hurt my knee and I thought I was going to have to have surgery on it. You know, I went to the hospital and they actually found a fracture in an old fracture that in my ankle. And so that's when I started getting into uh, functional patterns. I, and somehow before anything, I figured out, you know, I started researching all, looking all, into it all. You know the functional patterns culture. They don't want people coming in and saying and giving, you know, asking for answers. If you come in, you're gonna have to figure. You're gonna have to do your own homework. 
and find answers for yourself. We're not just going to give you the answers. So I figured it out. I figured out how to rewire my knee, and then I was sold from that, that point on. Uh, but even before that, I would just watch the, the debates, if you will, on the social media websites. And a lot of these people were, you know, being triggered by, you know, uh, wording of things. Well, I, I just, uh, I ignored that and I just took the information that was useful. And I, I just ignored the rest. And that's what I would advise other people to do. Um, you know, I started getting into the, the FP culture. I started doing Wim Hof. I started uh, looking into the quantum uh, aspects of Jack Cruz. I started experimenting with him. I started, you know, I didn't just take anybody's word for anything. I started implementing it into my own life. Uh, I started doing the breathing and I didn't pay for any of this stuff. I didn't go to, I didn't do the Wim Hof 10 week course. The only thing I paid for is functional patterns. That was the only thing that I couldn't fully understand that I couldn't fully figure out on my own, even though I figured out a lot of stuff, but I, there was still, you know what I mean? You can't figure out functional patterns on your own. You can figure out some stuff, but you're not going to get to the next level unless you pay for it and take the course uh, and work with, you know, a practitioner, certified practitioner. So I started doing the breathing, you know, I, I can feel the effects of that. And anything like that, that is my own body. I have a good mind-body connection. I was always, I've always been able to figure that type of stuff out. So I figured that out pretty easy. I figured out the cold thermogenesis pretty easy. It's like, oh, wow, I can control my breathing. I can heat up my body, my core temperature from inside. I can go out and I can withstand this cold. I uh, started doing the ice baths. Uh, you know, I can do it now. I'm walking around, no shoes and shirt in the winter. Uh, no problem, no, no, no big deal. I started implementing the, you know, the AM, the PM light, the sunrise and sunset light, the magnetism, uh, all, all the, you know, the simple enough Jack Cruz protocols that don't require you to be a quantum mechanic, you know, understanding, you know, the stuff that is out there that you can acquire from what is readily available to people and plus there's a lot of resources from the people in you know in the fp culture and whatnot so anyways i started doing the 10-week course 10 weeks before my fight my last fight i hadn't been training or anything so i was just like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna experiment with functional patterns Cause I already believe it because I've already, I, I had, uh, I had had the, uh, power posture book before that, but I had already been doing stuff. I'd already been figuring things out and doing different, uh, things that I could figure out on my own through the, you know, I've friended a bunch of people or followed a bunch of people and, uh, was able to figure some things out. So I got the 10 week course. I did that. And then I met, you know, Jeff Harris came out. He trained me for a couple of weeks and that shit blew my mind. I was like, oh yeah, this is, you know, I thought it was the truth. I was right, but it, it, it blew my mind even more. Um, but that was actually probably a mistake because you know, a lot of the techniques are very draining, neurologically draining. So that close to my fight, it was, a, it was a, probably a mistake, but 
you know, I don't really care about that fight. You know, I, I more, I wanted to test functional patterns. That was actually my main goal. I didn't really care about that fight in that sense. You know what I mean? It didn't mean nothing to me. What it meant was testing functional patterns. Uh, but yeah, it was probably a mistake to, to train that intensely with, uh, you know, cause my, had a lot of emotional shit come out through it. Cause you know how that works. You will, the shit that you have built uh, in you will come out and I was neurologically drained. So, but anyways, I went to, when I did, when I got my blood work done, when I got a physical for my fight, all my blood, weight, blood work came back like fucking excellent. Like the doctor was like, wow, you're in like really good health. I wish I was in your health and your vitamin D levels are so high and everybody, you know, the population is chronically, you know, deficient in vitamin D and all this other stuff. You know, like my health implementing these protocols. You know, I, I stopped using protein supplements. I stopped doing all that shit. I just followed this shit. And my health was so good that the doctor was like surprised. So that's the answer for that. That was my rant. I guess that was my rampage. <laughs> it was. You want to say something, Steve? I was just going to say, so what brought you to the tribe? Uh, it was... Um, well, what had happened was, uh, you know, shout out to Frida Paris. Um, I had commented on one of uh, Functional Patterns Instagram things because it was something that I had already intuitively figured out, a, a, a movement. I was like, oh, I do that movement. It's like, you know, I intuitively have figured that out. And I guess that's kind of like a thing, like people that have these uh, – I don't know. Anyway, so she, she hooked me up with the group. Uh, and I just kept on uh, digging and trying to, you know, figure things out from there. And then the uh, one of in the, in the group, they recommended, you know, the um, cognitive rampage uh, podcast with Natty. Uh, and yeah, I just started following from there. And I, you know, I, I always liked psychology. I was always interested in psychology as well and Adam's story actually kind of I relate to that story uh, so I mean they all all about the same time and I noticed I was looking on the page today it's been 11 months since I've been on in the tribe of change and that was all about the same time I started really digging into uh, you know Jack Cruz Wim Hof you know functional patterns and you know Adam in the cognitive rampage so it's been about a year and I started just delving into it all, all about the same time. Well, happy anniversary. Yes, sir. How about you, Steve? How about me what? How did you come to it? I'm assuming you already knew Adam. I don't really know too much about your background, how you know Adam, but... My background ties in... Um, I, a mutual friend of Adams, uh, Ranye Hawkins, who, uh, is a artist and performer and et cetera, et cetera. 
he um you can go to ronye.com find out about him but uh he i was living in saint peter at the time and he was coming through town and wanted to film uh for his show uh, paint with words and also he wanted me to help film for this guy he knew named adam um for a podcast that he wanted to create and uh, shows that he wanted to do. So I had nothing to do the couple of days. And uh, so we ended up spending like three days over at Adams and met him and we connected and we did a podcast. We did a couple of shows. Uh, We spent three days filming and recording and um, I started building his website and he went um, before he moved from Merritt Island to Orlando, um, which you've heard his story. Um, he went to California and ran into Joe Rogan. And the rest is history. Uh, the website kept blowing up. He contacted me. He's like, I'm on Joe Rogan and the website is crashing. So I had to up the bandwidth three or four times because uh, apparently people kept Googling him. And uh, we had already started planning the web, the podcast, but hadn't actually done any shows when that happened. So it kind of catapulted us to, all right, let's make this work. And then we've just been friends ever since. Nice. Yeah, Adam's the fucking man. I can say that all day long. That is, <laughs> that's my guy. Yeah, he's uh he's very motivated and uh determined. He's a determined individual and uh very caring, very loving and um loyal. So if you don't know him personally, what you see on the podcast is pretty much who he is. He's not any different um away from the camera. I mean maybe he doesn't do quite as much philosophizing but pretty much he does so it's uh, always fun always interesting what about you alvin what uh what got you into the the tribe it was uh nowadays shit it led me to it so as soon as i got to it um i was very active in the beginning i post a lot of shit and uh Slowly but surely, we ended up crossing paths, you know, on a more private basis outside of the tribe and really got more in depth about my shit, his shit. And because, uh, you know, there's everyone has their story. And Adam knows that I can relate on a level of a childhood that. Uh, I wouldn't want my children or any for that matter to relive or have to go through. And, um, but to not get into me too, too much detail, um, he really helped me in a dark time. You know, it was when actually he was running his website and he was offering those calls. It, it, it varied on what you wanted to talk about. But as long as you, you choose the option of what you wanted to talk on, he would call you, you would choose a time frame, and then you guys would just talk it out. And that's really what sparked it all is because I had never done that before. And without 
going too much of a rampage here, but my past, I had um, spoken to therapists before. And to be honest, um, I lied. It was, it was more so, um, you know, my mother had put me into it, you know, to express my feelings, you know, it, too much rage at the time. And honestly, it was bullshit to me. I, as funny as this may sound, I already knew the story I was going to tell him, which was complete bullshit. I had made up scenarios that happened in my head and I'd just be like, yeah, this is what happened. And he would turn around. So how does that make you feel? I was like, shut the fuck up, man. Just shut up. <laughs> like, hey, I don't want to hear that shit right now, dog. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, honestly, I didn't, I didn't gain anything from it. And, yeah. you know, when I got to Adam night and day, night and day, he, you know, he doesn't cater you with the bullshit. Um, but at the same time, he's not a dick. You know, he doesn't come right for the jugular and try to make him feel like a piece of shit or anything like that. He, you know, he, if anything, he relates to you, um, you know, and gives you the tools. He's not babying you for lack of a better term. You know, he's giving you tools. And that's what I, that's what I fuck with, man. It's somebody that sees you, you know, hurting, but is not just going to leave you there and expect, you know, for the next man to pick you up. He's like, look, man, I've, I've used this on myself and on the next man and, you know, the next man after that. And I've seen beast ass results. Try these tools, reframe your thoughts, reframe your beliefs, all that shit. And yeah. night and fucking day, you know, I, I, I can't thank that man. I'm, I'm, I'm forever in debt to that man. Um, love that dude to death. So that's my little rampage about him. Yeah. We, uh, we had started, Dollar Mental Health Club just for that. That's what it was. Yeah, dollarmentalhealthclub.com. Um, I have been wanting to bring that back with different mental trainers because, yeah, it isn't therapy. It was uh, mental training uh, for preventative mental health so that you can get your mind in the right frame of thought um, in case you are going through something or not going through something. But, yeah, to give you tools and strategies to to reframe what's going on in life. So, uh, cause there are some things that happen that you're like, I'm racking my brain. My friends are telling me the things that they want to tell me. Um, but I don't have anybody making, you know, keeping it real. And so that was the, the ultimate concept behind, behind that. So it may be, may, may come back. Um, might not be Adam as the mental trainer. He does mental training on the cognitive rampage.com. Um, but it's not a dollar a minute. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the thing. So it's, we're all here because we wanted to make, to make, uh, better, better versions of ourselves. And I think that's part of what the tribe of change is all about is, is becoming a better you to help other people. Hell yeah. And I know someone over there is being extra quiet, but. A man is a big I heart. I was waiting. I was waiting to interject. <laughs> but, uh, that's definitely one of the, that's one of the things that um that drew me in. Also, was the fact that Adam, you know, he challenges the current paradigms, and he's not just indoctrinated with "Oh, well, I learned this. They taught me this. It must be true." Uh, so that was definitely it. One of the things, and I, I believe I've heard Adam say, you know, and this is a personal philosophy of mine, no truth. You know, I've come to the point in my life where I just like, you know, you, you grow up believing these things and you find out they're not true. So, um, 
it's I just don't believe anything unless I can, you know, test it for myself and figure it out. And that just because academia or whatever says this is the way things are, I don't believe it necessarily unless there's a way that I can test it and see for myself. So the fact that, you know, Adam challenges all these uh, different paradigms and that's kind of how he got hooked up with, uh, you know, with Nadi was because other people wouldn't because uh, it was going against the mainstream, but Adam was all about that. And then just from his own experiences of the establishment of what he was working against, you know, and chemical incarceration and all that. So. Hold on gas. I just wanted to say something. Um, A couple of things. My shit's about to die soon, so I'm probably going to have to get out of here in the next few minutes. But uh, really, to speak on Daniel, I know this was is America the New Rome. I know it's what we initially started with, and then we dove into what Daniel's about, a little bit of me, a little bit about you, Steve. We uh, each gave our rampage. And uh, honestly, that's, that, that is kind of where I wanted to take it as well, kind of a little intro from my boy, Misha, um, so everybody can get to know him because I see that he has a – a good amount of heavyweights within FP and, you know, other people following him that really wanted to hear his story and shit. Me too. You know what I mean? Like I said, this really, what sparked this was a conversation that me and him had in his hotel room right before the night before his fight. And uh, me, I'm a big person on vibes. And even though I haven't known Daniel for not even a year, I fuck with Daniel hard. Um, You know, he said the same thing, maybe not about me. So if you don't, don't, don't talk to me again. No, I'm just joking. But um, no, honestly, man. Bro. <laughs> nah, he's cool, man. Again, shout out to Jeff, man. Jeff is a cool-ass dude. Uh, and thank you. Um, thank you, Steve, for putting this together. I know you're feeling under the weather, man. You're the man for putting this together, even though you feel like shit right now. Um, and thank you, Adam, for giving us the platform to – get together and, 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 you know, give her, give our, our peace of mind. But, um, yeah, it's already given me the fucking reminder that my shit's about to die. <laughs> All right. That's good. Right, well, that's it's, good. well, we, we've been an hour, been an hour. So that was a, that a was good a, little show. A good show. Yeah, good introduction yeah, good to everybody. Alvin, Alvin, where can uh, people yeah, find you if they want to find you? Um, uh, on Facebook, my first and last name, Alvin Avalar, last name, A V E L A R. And my Instagram is, Actually, I have two Cameo Twenty One. Sorry, Cameo Twenty One and Cameo Fitness. Cameo is spelled different. C A M I O. All right, and, uh, and uh, Misha. Misha. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Daniel Larusso. My profile picture is a ninja. It says it's okay. I'm a ninja. Uh, it's my whole little. It's my gimmick, I guess. Um, and then my Instagram is ninjas only. This ninja spelled out underscore only is spelled with a zero. Cool. Fantastic. Well, and you all can find me at uh, wherever um, adamlowry.com. Find me through the tribe of change podcast page. Uh, you can contact uh, the tribe. If you want to be on the tribe of change podcast, just email tribe of change at gmail.com. Uh, thanks guys for coming on. And, uh, forcing me to do another episode even though I'm a little under the weather, weather. I just, it's I been a little while but uh, thanks, thanks so much for coming so much for coming
and uh, we'll and, see you guys, uh, see you guys in the tribe. In the tribe. Thank you, brother. Peace, Peace. out. Peace. See you. See you.